You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. All right, for those of you who don't know, my bride and I live in uh, Kelowna. We have uh, lots of kids and grandkids, and and it's it's all good. We uh, her tent making uh, business. She goes into schools and talks about kingdom sexuality and kingdom relationships, but she can't use the name of Jesus because she's in public schools mostly. So she is a light in a dark place, and she is speaking truth that sets captives free, and they don't even know it. They just like we have never heard this before. But she is actually speaking it, and so she's, she goes to battle every day, and I'm just so proud of her, because she's, uh, she's discerned from the Lord how to be a light in a dark place, because uh, it's dark, as you know. So uh, she gets to go in hockey schools and universities, and uh, sometimes she does private schools and Christian schools, so, so that's what she does. My, my uh, tent-making business is, uh, I'm an emotional health coach, and so I see clients, and we work with families and marriages and kids, and some weeks all my clients are kids, and so it's just like... And so we're, we're looking to, to bring the life and light of Jesus to people to, to set them free in their, in their emotions so they're, they're free. They're free to, to walk out love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. And so it's just a real blast. So I say tent making because that's not our real, that's, that's, I mean, Paul wasn't like, I am a tent maker. It's my identity. I'm all about tents. It's like, no, I just... He, you know, it, it's, what he, it's what he did, right? So, but he did that so that he could really do the thing that God had called him to. And the thing that God has called us to, to, to be and to do is to make disciples, teach them to obey all the commands of Christ, and to actually change uh, cities and culture because of these disciples. And so we're planting networks of, uh, of house churches, and we're connected with different networks across the country. And so that's, that's the thing that we really burn for, uh, making disciples. And so, uh, yeah, so that's... That's kind of a little bit of a background. Uh, uh, my kids uh, used to be young, and, I, and I, I now have grandkids, and so we're starting this play all over again. And so I have to start thinking like a two-year-old again. It's like, what do two-year-olds like? It's like, oh, that's right. They like horseback rides on me, and I'm the horse, right? They, 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 they like you know, the faces, and they, they like car washes. It's like we go through the car wash. And you want to pay some more? I'll go through it again. You know, it's like it's already clean. And the guy's going, go ahead, go ahead. It's like, and so it's like I, I forget. I forget what they like. And on playgrounds, it's just the simple little games that they like. And it's like it's not, the, it's not the complicated thing. It's not the big expensive thing. It's just the simple little games. And I remember with our kids, one of their favorite games was to go to a park. And some people, I think, called it grounders. My kids call it um, a lava monster. I think our kids called it. And so if you can get to a piece of equipment in the playground and stand on it, you're safe, unless you have a brother that pushes you off that piece of equipment. <laughs> and then you're not safe because the lava monster, which is me, will come and devour you. And if I could catch you, then I had somehow permission to pull up your shirt, because I have boys, and I, could pull, and I, and I, could, I tried to have like a two-day growth thing going on. And then I could go out and do a Zerbert. How many of you know what a Zerbert is? Some people call it red belly because it's raspberry. Really? Raspberry? Weird people. What, what, where, are you, where were you raised? Here. <laughs> and so you could, just, you could just go like this on their belly until they squealed or peed their pants. Then you had to go. Anyway, 
So that, that was the, the favorite game. But the, the, the goal was not to be down here. That's the goal. Because if you're down here, well, the goal was to be down here for a little bit. And so they would, they would stand here and then they would like do the... Right? And if I could catch them while it was on the ground, then I could go nuts on them. Like sometimes like for 15, 20 seconds, and they would like squeal. And then I, the only way they could get me to stop is I made them learn a sentence. I created a sentence. Please stop, snicka snicka, a wonderful father who loves me, uh, loves me, no, who bore me as in birth. I know, but I was there, and I, it, was, it was hard for me to. So... Um, it was. How many of you men, how many men difficult in childbirth because you're feeling helpless? Any other men? No, I'm the only one that actually, thank you. I felt helpless. I was like, I, I can't deliver you from this. I caused this. Sorry. Anyway, please stop snicka snicka, a wonderful father who helped bore me as in birth. We tried many other statements. So they had to, they had to articulate that sentence while on the ground with, with their, Father's bearded face in their belly for 20, 30, and so they got really good at it, and that was the game. Let's read our passage for today. (laughs) Micah, verse 6, no, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. The the background of this is is pretty weird. I'm going to get you a little bit of a background. Um, Micah's a really cool prophet, minor prophet. I wonder how the minor prophets feel about being called a minor prophet. Uh, you got major prophets, you know, Isaiah is a major prophet, and he's probably up, up in, in paradise right now going, yes, we had a major prophet meeting today, and the minor prophets are over it, you know, Tim Horton's going, well, we're just a minor prophet. Anyway, this is how my brain works. It's awesome. And so, um, that the Lord actually does this, this thing in, in Micah, and, and he's prophesying through Micah. And then, you know, verse 6, What shall I come before the Lord with and, and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of ram and 10,000 rivers of oil? And shall I give my firstborn for my, transgres- for, for my transgression? This is a, obviously a prophecy about what God himself would do. He would give his firstborn for the transgressions of many. The fruit of my body for the sin of their soul. I mean, so it's like, and then he goes into this this famous verse, he has shown you, oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What I found in playing this game with the kids is that they loved mercy. This was, this was their place of mercy. I couldn't get to them. The monster couldn't touch them. And they would stand up here and go, meh, 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 meh. And they would like do this. And then they would like mess with my hair as I ran by. And it was just like, they would just squeal with laughter. And if they could make it, you know, if I was over there and then they were over here and they would go, ah, and as soon as they ran, they would run up to mercy. This, is, this was their place. But they loved it when one of their siblings got justice. That was even more enjoyable. First of all, yes, I made it to mercy, but Joel didn't. (laughs) Get him, Dad! Longer! Come on, Dad! And Joel's like screaming his little lungs out. And you got to think the rest of the people in the park are going, 
that probably deserves a phone call to somebody, you know. But it's like I'm like, no, this is this is this is what boys love. This right, I think. And we look. I actually I talked about it this week. I said, did, did that actually work? I said, oh, that was that was some of our favorites, right? But the favorite was, was like justice, get him, because they like he he pushed me off last time, right? So get him, dad. And I'm like, oh, is this not a picture of life? I want mercy for me, but I want justice for you, especially if I think you did something wrong. You did something to me, justice. And I find this rising up in me right now. Oh, I want mercy for me. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your mercy. But if somebody posts something, justice, right? If somebody does something that I think is unjust, oh, everything inside of me is to demand justice. And I've had a lot of conversations. I got some friends in Ottawa right now, and they're like in the forefront, and they're like, justice. And I'm like, I get it. I really get it. But that's not what the passage says. Oh, I'd like it to say that. This is what the Lord requires of you. Does it say demand justice? (laughs) Oh, no. It says do justice. Do it. Don't demand it. I want mercy for me. Justice for you. I'm really good at contempt. Contempt being defined as any time I look down at somebody else from a superior position. And we hear this, right? It's like in our arguments. It's like, well, I've done my research. And other people say, we got to follow the science. It's like, oh, so so which science? (laughs) Your your science? My science? And then we get to look down at each other and going, well... I have a friend in the medical community or you know, my friend's a virologist or something. It's like, virologists have never been more popular. It's like, I'm a virologist right now. It's like, okay. Well, I guess you've got the floor, Mr. Virologist. It's like, up until then, it was like, no, they meant nothing to nobody. But now they're like, ooh, an epidemiologist. Have a great day. Say what you want. Right? But for, for the rest of us, like, you know, we're, we're looking, we're, we're coming from our research position or our perspective, and then we look down on anybody who disagrees with us, and we call out for justice. I mean, some of you have been on Facebook, and it's just the, the demand for justice and the name-calling, and then I'm like, whoa, this is exactly what the enemy wants. He wants us to come from our superior, superior position and look down on everyone else and then start to demand justice. You need to get your head out of wherever it is and start looking at what reality is. Like you re- read this post and go to this page and like, this is my research and I can't believe you would think this and, and I'm going to unfriend you. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, this is the demand for justice. I, get, I, I, I need mercy, but I'm going to go for it with you because you, you did this to me. You pushed me off the whatever and I can't, I can't tell you how, how much emotion I have towards you and then and then I look at Jesus, and he's like, yeah, I, I, I didn't do it like that. I didn't. I never, I never demanded justice for me. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, I, I didn't demand justice. I spoke the truth in love. 
got me crucified, but I didn't demand justice for myself. And so let's read the passage again. It's somewhere. I'll read it to you. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice. There's a big difference between demanding justice and doing justice. Doing justice means to make something right. And if somebody says, like, okay, I'm going to demand justice for myself, they might have missed the mark. And I, I adore the, you, this community. I look, so look forward. Um, I actually view this community as a, as a forerunner uh, church, forerunner community. You guys are really historically have been on, on the forefront of what God is doing. And so I believe that what needs to happen in our nation is thousands of worship sets like that, where, where we're all coming and going, I got negative emotion. I got a lot of it. I don't know what to do. Oh, I'm going to gather with the, with the body of Christ, and we're going to start to cry out. And sometimes we're just going to cry, because <laughs> I don't know what's going on inside. I just feel a lot. I feel a lot of loss. I feel a lot of anger. I feel a lot of confusion, and I feel, I feel fractured and, and dis, dis, disconnected and dissected, and, and, and I don't know. And then we come together, and all of a sudden, the, the, the person of Christ begins to emerge from our midst, and we all begin to fall in love with him again. And then we're like, wow, I... <laughs> Love, joy, peace, unity. Because as we draw near to Christ, we're actually drawing near to each other. Right? So it's like this, this profound place. And so I, I would love for this to happen 10, 20, 100,000 times over. I don't know that it's happening in a lot of churches. And so I, I, that's why I love what God is doing in your midst. Because it really feels like as, as your leadership team, you're just listening and obeying and willing to go for it. You're, you're not holding back and going, Let's plan an event three months from now. It's like, no, we're doing this now. What's, what's going on three months from now? Who knows? This is happening now. We need to do this now. And so I just, I just love how, how you as a team are listening and obeying and have lots of affirmation. Um, I've been doing my best to, to, to listen. And so as soon as I say, you know, there's a massive difference between demanding justice and doing justice, a lot of our a lot of our attention right now is what's going on in Ottawa and different borders and different cities and what's happening even Kelowna and Victoria on Saturdays at noon. I mean, it's just like what is this is this is a wild time. So I'm I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to give you my best uh, as to what I've been hearing from Jesus. This came on February the seventh. I'm just having my time with Jesus, and all of a sudden he goes here. So. I'm going to submit this to you. I want you to weigh and test this. I am not saying, thus saith the Lord. What I am saying is like, this is what I'm discerning from Jesus. Okay? Here we go. Uh, um, That's what I heard. I would like Canadians to stand for the poor like they stand up for their rights. I would like them to stand for righteousness in the same way. Not that I'm recommending blocking roads and honking your horn throughout the day, but to give great care to att- and attention to marriages and families and the poor and my commands. And he said this, I applaud the truckers and their friends for holding their convictions and seeking to do so in a semi-peaceful way. They need to be heard. Some of the protesters are there for self-centered reasons, for their rights, and you can't limit my freedoms, and you can't tell me what to do. Others are there because of their concern for the direction of the country. 
agreed, agreed the fear-based mandates have done great harm and they need to end. But notice what gets you riled up. Underneath all your heated emotion, you will find what's in your heart. Is it, you can't tell me what to do? Or is it, I really care about the moral fabric of our society and deeply desire to bring our culture under the rule and reign of Christ? If it's a second one that you find, then how are you spending your time, your finances, and your energy to move in that direction? If you're willing to drive to Ottawa to honk your horn, are you willing to cross the street and learn how you can love and serve your neighbors for the poor and for the lost? Are you willing to unify with other believers that you disagree with and pray for Justin Trudeau? And that's when I ended. <laughs> Not because it's like, no, I won't do that. It's like, I'd love to do that. It's like, it's like okay, is there any, and I, I didn't discern anything else, but it was a completely different perspective that Jesus is going, yes, your, your country is falling apart. It, 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 is, it, is, it warrants attention right now. It's, it's not like, oh, just, just go about your life. It's like, no, it actually warrants attention. And some of the families that have splintered, I've talked to many families who won't talk to each other anymore. No, you're not welcome in my house. And I'm like, oh, what is that? It's like that warrants attention right now. Some of the marriages are just falling apart. It's like that warrants attention right now. But Jesus is saying, I, I want um, what's in his heart. It's like, okay. You're all riled up. Let's find out what you're riled up about. Because if it's, I demand my rights and you can't tell me what to do, then it's like, oh, that's more self-serving. But if it's like, there's something really, really turning here in our nation, and I actually want to stand up for our nation because we are called by God to be this and this and this, and then we're moving away from that, and I actually am going to intercede, and I'm actually going to go for it. So that's, that was the, what, what I was discerning, and so that gets us back to do justice, you know, and I'm angered and horrified by the events of this weekend. Emergency measures acts, police horses trampling what looked like to be mostly peaceful protesters. And everything inside of me wants to demand justice. I want to stand up in my place of mercy and go get them. And I want people removed from office and I want, I want emergency measures. And I want, you know, this is, I want to demand justice. And Jesus goes, oh, really? Is that what I'm calling you to? And I'm like, I think you called me to do justice not demand justice. And so I, I take a look at this passage, and it's like, okay, what does it mean then to do justice? I mean, I have close friends that are saying, hey, these protesters shouldn't be there in the first place, and they should have listened to the police, and they're shutting down a major city for selfish demands, and then how I respond to that matters. It really matters, because I could actually then demand justice from my friends. And so um, what we have done in our leadership team, we have vastly... Uh, different perspectives, like polar opposites. I had one of our leadership couples come to me and say, you know, we think that anybody who's not vaccinated are like drunk drivers who are, who are putting everybody else in danger. I'm like, oh, tell me about that. And they're like, we feel alone in our leadership team because we don't think anybody else is. And so we, we're, we're, we're withdrawing and isolating. As soon as I heard that, I'm like, ooh, 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 this warrants attention right now. We have some in our, and some of you in, in, in this room are going, that's kind of what I think. I, I think that the protesters are, are selfish demands and they're, and they're, you know, illegal. That's where you think, and if that's where you think I want to let you know you belong here. We absolutely want you here. I speak on behalf of everyone. We are not going to let what's happening in our country divide us as a church. We're not going to let it happen. We want it. So what we did with our leadership team, it's like, okay, 
There are five of us, five, five couples in the leadership team, so we want you to actually spend two to three hours with each couple, and we want you to articulate your position and then have that other couple argue your perspective. And then we're going to get that other couple to articulate their position, and then you are going to have to argue their perspective and convincingly. And you're like, what? So yeah, it's going to take some time. That's at least 10, 12 hours right there. And they're like, we don't know we have time for that. It's like, yeah, yeah, you do. This is that important. We're going to make every effort to maintain unity. There's no way to get to unity until there's some understanding and some compassion and some empathy, right? So they sat down with the first couple. They chose the easiest couple, the ones who agrees with everything. <laughs> the whatever, you know. And they're like, this is our position. And they're like, okay, yeah. Yeah, we can argue that. And so they argue there. And then the other person's like, well, we don't really have a position. Whatever anybody wants is kind of fine with us. And so that's kind of a pretty, pretty easy position. And I'm like, so they came out of that meeting going, whoo, this is going to be great. And then they hit a big brick wall, the next couple, <laughs> who just has a really strong conviction about this. And they sat down and they said, this is our position. And that couple really articulated it really well. And then this next couple talks, like, this is our position. And they fro this couple froze for 25 minutes. No, no lie. They had no idea what to say. It's like, we can't articulate that position. It's full of lies and mistruth and, and, and you know, anti-science rhetoric and whatever. You know, it's like, can you argue their perspective? It's like, no. So we said, okay, try it again next week. It's like, we have to do it again? It's like, yeah. We are maintaining the unity of the body of Christ. Unity starts here. Not because we're going to agree, but because we're going to get behind the wall and argue each other's perspective until they feel listened to, understood, valued, and prioritized. Then we can actually go, okay, let's link arms and move together in Jesus. So they went back for a second round, and it went a little bit better. Because, like, I have to argue their perspective filled with whatever, yeah, you do. And they actually did quite well. And then third couple, fourth couple, fifth couple. By the end, we as a team are so unified right now, not because we agree, because we have listened to and loved and cherished, and I so value you, and I even value that what you're doing and what's really as important is this and this and this, like, yes, and the tears and hugs. And so every leadership team since then has just been filled with this, this, this hugs and connection, and how do I serve you, and how do we advance the, the, the name of Jesus together? And it's, but that takes a lot of work. That's why I'm saying it. it starts here. We didn't demand, it's like, justice! It's like, oh, can I come down here with you? And can we both come up to mercy? Because this is what Jesus did. He, he actually left, um, in, in the Ark of the Covenant, in, in the most holy place, there's a place called the mercy seat. Jesus left the mercy seat to come down and to be amongst us to be in a place where, where he alone could demand justice. And he said, I'm not going to demand justice. I'm going to do justice. I'm going to take your cost, your pain, your sin, your choices on myself so that I can carry you back up to the mercy seat so that we, according to Hebrews 10, can walk into the most holy place, which is where the mercy seat is, with confidence. How? By the body and the blood of Jesus, so that he can wash our guilty conscience and cleanse our bodies with pure water. That's what he did. And then he turns around and says, your turn. 
It's like, w- w- you want me to do that? Yeah. Leave your place of mercy where you get, you're just like, oh yeah, I'm in the holy place and I get to be with Jesus and, and all my sins have been washed away and now here I go. And I am called to go down to the place where people are and should be receiving justice. Where the lava monster lives. And I get to come down and I begin to go, I want to invite you to a new and living way. I want to invite you to discover mercy. So as, as a network of churches, we've just got a little network, and we're, but each church has called to, to do justice. And they get to discern before the Lord what that looks like for them. And so we have one church that is primarily focused on worship and intercession, but they go out regularly to the streets and just begin to speak the love and the, and the mercy of Jesus and invite people out of a place of justice to a place of mercy. It's, it's just, um, she's, she's 25, single girl, and she's like, Jesus has called me to do this. Is this okay if I do this? I mean, she's not what anyone would consider a, a leader of a church. It's taken her two years to actually get around the concept that it's time for me to plant a church. <laughs> and then she just starts to cry. I'm like, what, what's going on? She goes, I can't believe that I'm starting a church. Now, between you and me, it's six people in a house. That's a church. Anybody who does worship, community, and mission, done. That's a church, according to the New Testament. That's all it takes. And so she's, she's gathered five, six, seven people now, and they're just doing it, and they're worshiping, and they're praying, uh, and, they're, and they're doing mission right now. And another one is like focused on disconnected young families. That is, the, that is the place of justice. And so they go downtown Kelowna every Sunday to a city park or to the, the local pool if it's too cold, and they'll begin to scan that group for people that are disconnected. Uh, most uh, most of, of the immigrant families in Kelowna will go to, to city park on Sunday morning. That's just where, that's the only park they know. And they go down there and they're just striking up friendships like crazy. And then they have them over for lunch and it's like, hey, we love Jesus and we'd love to talk to you about that. It's like, well, tell us about that. What are they doing? They're going into this place of disconnected, brand new people that don't feel like they belong and they're bringing them to the place of mercy. Another one's for disconnected signal people who, who actually, uh, they, they love to play games. This is the game playing church, right? So they'll play board games, they'll go hiking, they'll go swimming, lots of activity to to actually come down to this place and then bring them up to a place of mercy. Another one is discipling whole families. So they've got family, one family's got six kids, another one's got five kids, another one's got so it's a lot of a lot of kids running around. They're like, we're here to help you disciple your children. Because the families are falling apart. And they're coming down to this place where people have just and bringing them up to a place of mercy. And it's just like it is so fun to watch people going, Oh, this is our call to do justice to love mercy. And we all, the whole room goes, oh, that's really good, Kim. So happy for that. That's fantastic. I, I'm, I'm not in that place. I, I, I hear the words, I hear the words uh, do justice, and sure, it's a, great, it's a great concept. It's a great prophecy. Love mercy, yeah, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get around to that at some point. I'm just not there right now. The, the fuel for all of this is the third part, to walk humbly. And that may sound like the, a should, like I'm pointing my finger at all of you. You should walk humbly. What I, what I see in the scriptures in the life of Jesus is that it's, 
Rather than a should, it's an invitation for new eyes, for, for a new perspective. If, if you read the Gospels, you'll, you'll notice a few things. And one of them is how many times Jesus goes, I'm only here to say what the Father says. I'm only here to do what the Father's doing, which means he was, he was referencing. So we told you earlier about our, our grandson who loves to go through car washes. And there's a certain part of the car wash that we go through that's really loud and like tons of water and brushes. And it's just, it's, it's not scary for me, but it is scary for him. I just want to let you know that I'm okay. It's not like I, and so during that part, every time, we've, he's been through maybe 10 times, every time he'll look me in the face and he'll like study my face. And I'm like, it's okay, Sully. And then he'll look back, and then another blast of water who, who looked me in the face, right? And I'm like, oh, psychologically, it's called referencing. It's just like the child will reference the parent to say, am I about to die? Because <laughs> that's what it feels like. You know, it's a, it's a blue and red and green coming at him and water and brushes, and it's like, I'm going to die. <laughs> it's some kind of monster coming to get me. And he'll reference three or four times every car wash. If I'm not there, he'll reference Darlene. Okay, we're okay. And then it comes again. And I'm like, oh, that is the best definition of humility. It's when, it's when we go through crisis and chaos and we reference. It's like, who, am I okay? Am I about to die? The best definition of humility I can find with is just to agree with Jesus. And that's what Jesus did. He walked with humility. He referenced the Father. That's why he often withdrew to a solitary place. Because, oh, Father, man, these disciples are frustrating. <laughs> and, like, and he's up there going, I want justice for the Pharisees. Right? And then one of them came to him with a soft heart. And what did he do? Oh, Nicodemus, come here. You want to be born again? All right, let's talk about born again. And then, and then in that conversation, it's like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believed might. It's just like, that's, this, that's where it came. He didn't demand justice for this Pharisee, but he actually came down and actually started to talk to him. It's like, let me talk to you about mercy, about being born again, about having a brand new, I make all things new and I will make you new. Nicodemus is like, oh. And he was referencing the whole time. Should I give him justice? And then the disciples go, let's call down fire. What are they doing? We have found mercy and we demand justice. Oh, you don't even know what kingdom you're of. No, let's go give them mercy. Let's do justice, not demand justice. Let's give them mercy. And so Jesus comes and he, he decides to, to be buried in our dirt so that we could sit on the mercy seat. That we could be seated in heavenly places. And then he turns to us and he says, your turn. So today, yeah, you get to consider what doing justice might look like for you. You get to consider what loving mercy might be like for you. Those are really healthy things. But it starts with, I want to walk humbly. That's the fuel for doing justice. My motivation is not because I'm a great guy. My motivation is like, oh, I've seen, I've captured something in the eyes of Jesus 
that has completely transformed me. And now I want to be like him. I want to come down from a place of mercy and actually hang out with people that, that should, I should demand justice for. And then I want to bring mercy to them so that I can bring them to a place and a person of mercy. Is this starting to make sense? So, so we're just going to finish off with um, one of Jesus' favorite questions. He asked his disciples. He's famous for asking great questions. And one of my favorite ones is when he turned to his disciples and he goes, who do you say that I am? And the disciples got that wrong, <laughs> except for one. Right? Peter got it right. He's like, oh, you're the, this, uh, the Christ, the son of a living God. And Jesus goes, oh, this has not been revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And then five verses later, Peter got it wrong. <laughs> and Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan. Right? So it's like, whoa. Uh, Jesus had no problem speaking the truth in love, but when he heard the truth, he actually affirmed it really well. So it's a great question. So we're, gonna, we're just going to finish off with Jesus who do you say that I am? This, this church, we, we believe that Jesus speaks to us, so the sheep hear his voice. If that's a brand new concept for you, you've got a lot to look forward to. Jesus has a lot to say to you. He loves to speak to you. He speaks in dreams. He speaks in visions. He speaks directly. He speaks through his word. He speaks through music. He speaks through your children. And yes, husbands, he speaks through your wife. Can I get an amen? Not always, but usually. 99%. <laughs> it depends on your, who your wife is, but anyway. So we're just going to draw near, okay? Um, there's a lot of shaking going on right now. So uh, Luke 6, let me tell you what a person is like who comes to me, hears my words, and puts them into practice. He's like a person who dug down deep, built their house on the rock, so that when the torrent came, they were not shaken. There's a lot of torrents happening right now. A lot of shaking going on but he has given us an unshakable kingdom. How do you access that? By drawing near and listening to what he has to say. So here's the question. Jesus, who do you say that I am? Come on, who do you say that I am? Just fix your eyes on him. Remind me who I am. I have forgotten. Some of you might come with shame. It's like, no, I can't receive that. Well, then I call you to humility. Agree with Jesus. Because his perspective on you is probably a lot better than what you have for yourself. Jesus, who do you say that I am? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yeah, come on. Some of you being reminded of prophecies that you've let go decades ago. Remind me, Jesus. Who do you say that I am? Some of you are, are in your senior years and you think it's time for you to be done. It's not true. You're not done. It's not time to hand it off to the next generation. You're not done. Who do you say that I am? This is the fuel for do justice and love mercy. 
Don't do justice out of human effort. Mm -mm. Okay, Jesus, who do you say that I am? Some of you, I'm going to ask some of you to testify. And this is the harder part. It's, it's not difficult to hear it and maybe even accept it. But when I start to speak it out, it's a whole nother level. And some of you are wrestling right now. Can we just be done? Can I go home now? Well, you, might, you, might have enough, you might have an invitation from Jesus to tell them. Tell them what I say about you. Yeah. We overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, which we have had nothing to do with. The other part of this is the word of our testimony. You can overcome the, the plan of the enemy by, by testifying as to who Jesus has said you are. And this is difficult. Some of you are like, yeah, this is too good. He likes me more than I like myself. Usually. Okay, who wants to testify? What, is, what, is, what does Jesus say about you? Yes. Yeah. Faithful. Full of faith. Can we get a witness on that word? Okay, on the witness of two, it's established. You are faithful. Even when you're faithless, Timothy says, he is faithful, and he makes you faithful. Agreed. Anybody else? Testify. What did Jesus say about you? Yes. Yeah. So you're loving and full of forgiveness. Well done. We agree. Becky. Now, sometimes this week you have not felt either of those. Am I right? So Jesus comes around and says, oh, Becky, you're so loving and forgiving. And you go, yeah, hard no. Were you not around this week? Did you not see what I was thinking, saying? He's like, well, let me remind you who you are. Which gives you power then to do justice and to love mercy. Who else? Testify. What did he say? Darlene. Darlene is an overcomer. And I agree. Yes. And there is a crown. If you read some of the churches in the book of Revelation, those who overcome actually get big time rewards. So it's who you are, babe. You don't feel like it? We're not here to follow feelings. Our whole nation is following feelings. We don't follow feelings. We follow Jesus. Okay, we submit our feelings to him. I don't want to ignore feelings. I want to hear my children and my wife and my own negative emotion. I, it's really important, but I don't follow it. Who else? Testify. What did Jesus say? Yes. Yeah. Yes.
Yes. And I want to bless the gift of leadership on you. You got you got a ton of sermons in you, and they're not sermons as normally people would think. They're they're the inspiration on what God has put inside of you is huge, and I look forward to hearing what God has to say through you. Okay, so I want to bless your voice. I want you to bless. You don't need the microphone. That's not a big deal for you, but you will have one. Okay, it's it's not like oh, give me the mic. I want to be up front and say I want people to hear me. That's not you. But the leadership on you and the, and the, the revelation that you have needs to be spoken. Um, the church is built on revelation, and so I want to bless that in you. What else, what else has God, what does Jesus say about you? Fanny, I'm going to put you on the spot. Warrior. I don't think that's true. Did you see her go this morning? Oh, we need you, Fanny. We need the warrior bride in you, and you held back this morning. You wanted to go off like a rocket, okay? I mean, there was more. I mean, he's like, oh, man, I don't think the church can handle this. It's like, we need you, okay? We need the warrior. We need you. The sword of the spirit inside of you is just huge, so I, I, I absolutely loved it. It's my, that's, that's when I started to cry really well. It's like, whoa, she's in the house. What else did Jesus have to say? Okay, be patient. Trust me. Okay. I'm glad he gave that to you, not to me. Okay, good. What else? What does Jesus have to say about you? Who, who are you? You're a powerful mama. Man, when you're home changing diapers, you don't feel like a powerful mama. But that's who he says you are. And you get to decide if you're going to agree with that or not. Best way to change a nation is to birth and grow disciples. <laughs> doesn't feel like that. It feels like you're just feeding kids and keeping them alive. No, we're changing the nation by birthing and growing disciples who will change the nation. Anyone else? What does Jesus have to say about you? Grace, like the Amazon River. Just, it's long and just, just so much power. Agreed. What else? You have his authority. That is true. Your voice, your words, your spirit. Sure. You are his treasure that he gave everything for. And I wanted to affirm you, Shirley, the hard, the hard work you have done over the past few years has allowed you to stand in the torrent that you have gone through in the last three, four months. You are a woman who is standing. When you've done everything to stand, you have stood firm. And you, everything around you has been shaken. Everything. And you are standing in truth. And you look beautiful. You look so beautiful. Well done. But you had to do the hard work so that you could stand in this. Right? And some days you don't think you're standing at all, but you stand. What else? Who does Jesus say you are? You actually change. Where did that come from? You change the atmosphere of every room you're in. Things shift when you walk in the room. Not because you're so handsome, which you are. <laughs> but you carry the spirit. And, and, and the, the veil is thin around you. You have tried to get yourself out of the way so the spirit shines through you. And you change the atmosphere. And so, Father, we want, we want hundreds of businesses to be transformed because of how Fabio has chosen to change the atmosphere because he, he reveals you. Rachel.
I am enough and I have enough. Even when I feel broken, I am enough. That is the word for you. More than enough. Well done. And I know you didn't want to share that, so thank you. There's some other young moms who needed that. And so you might get to go talk to her and say, could you pray for me? Because I don't think I'm enough. I don't think I have enough. I'm just broken. And she's like, yep, know it, but here's the truth. Okay, and once, because we get to comfort others with the comfort we have received. We get to bring authority to others with the authority we have received. Every good gift comes from the Father of lights. Everything you are has come, everything good in you has come from him. Your faith is a gift. Grace is a gift. Okay, anybody else? What, what is the, yes? Yes, you are not alone, ever. I mean, he loves, he is close to the brokenhearted. I really wish that wasn't true. I wish he's close to the happy. I touch him most when I'm brokenhearted. And, he, and I, I'm, I'm more aware of him when I'm brokenhearted. Anyone else? Yes. You're a peacemaker and a child of God. Well, you got a lot of work to do. If you're a peacemaker, we need you. Okay? Different than a peacekeeper. No, that doesn't get the blessing. The peacemaker gets the blessing. We need you, like big time. In families, marriages, nations. You had your hand up. To bring hope and peace through worship and beauty. Is this, is this man your husband? Do you find hope through her beauty? I just set you up, buddy. You better start. Because that's a lot of hope right there. Well done. You know, it's like, yeah. But, but for most, I mean, when I talk to women, it's like a lot of women are not confident in your beauty. And they go, well. I should this, and I need that, and you know, I don't, I need more of a budget, or whatever. It's like, no, no, no. There, the, the Esther thing right now, nations have been saved because a woman actually embraced her beauty. And okay, so, so some of you are going, I don't know what to do for Canada. Use your beauty to bring peace, to bring truth. Uh, beautiful women, you have a voice where I could never speak. Like when my wife goes up and talks to people on the street, I stand behind her. It's like, let, let beauty make a way. And she comes up and like, I'll listen to you all day. Then I go like, I also had a prophetic word and I could step in, right? But what am I doing? I'm allowing beauty to break the door open. I do it all the time. Now it's hard to hide because I'm 6'6". Six, six, and it's like, <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> and they'll, they'll listen to me because she's opened the door. I'm just, I, that's the Esther thing that she's got going on, right? That's the Esther thing. It's like you, we get to, you get to, okay, I, my beauty actually has power. And you need to be reminded of that. There's a lot of women in the room, you need to be reminded of that. And you're like, oh, that's not for me. Mm, probably is. Okay, anyone else testify? I can forgive. And that's the word you need to hear today. He has given you divine power to forgive. Doesn't mean trust, doesn't mean you have to forget about it. But it does mean you get to not give them what they deserve. You have that power. Okay, who else? 
I am bold. <laughs> See, Jesus speaks to things as they are even when they're not. So some days you don't feel bold. Some moments you don't feel bold, and Jesus goes, let me tell you who you are. That's absolutely who you are. And then you, remind, you get reminded, it's like, well, I guess since I'm bold, I'm going to go ahead and speak this or do this. Okay, Hand up. Yes. Yes. Come on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, the whole world actually runs on the grandma power. I'm quite convinced of it. It's just like it's, you guys keep us centered and founded and adored and fed. We, we could go on for a long time. This is a great thing over lunch. If whoever will actually entertain the question, what does Jesus have to say about you? I have yet to run out. It, Jesus never goes, yeah, same as last time. <laughs> no, he may go, mm, I've told you this a hundred times and I'll tell you again. He may do that. But it's, it has new, new words, new, new breath, new, new freshness, new, new power, which then we get to use to do justice and to love mercy. Jesus, our commitment to you in the midst of the torrent is to come to you, to draw near, to fix our eyes on you. That even if it's the storm where it feels like you're asleep, we will come and draw near to you. Very confident that we will not die. That we will not be consumed because you are with us. Jesus, thank you for speaking to us about who you say we are. Thank you for the gift of humility to hear and to agree with your perspective. Thank you that you are not losing hope for uh, our nation. You're not losing hope for our marriages. You're not losing hope for our families. You're not losing hope for our children. You're not losing hope for our businesses. You are filled with hope. So right now we are overwhelmed with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not because our circumstances are awesome, but because Holy Spirit is awesome and you live in us. So we, uh, for however we came in, we... we we're going to go ahead and move forward, rehearsing what you have to say about us, rehearsing what you have to say about our, our, our church, our families, our cities, our nation. We want to, we want to regurgitate those and, and, and meditate on those and let those words have power. We want to abide in you and let your words abide in us so that we can ask for anything and it will be done and we can produce good fruit. It's how you've set this up and we say thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Lifetree Church Sermon of the Week. At Lifetree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.